Comedian Stephen Wright urges, if at first you don't succeed, destroy all evidence that you tried. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that what most of us seek to do? To hide our inevitable, uncomfortable human failures. Which is what five friends in Mexico City had done until one evening when they were sitting around drinking mezcal. <coughs> it suddenly occurred to them that in all the times they had spent together, they'd always shared their successes, but they'd never talked about their failures. Many hours later, after they'd shared their business and personal failures with each other and had a powerful experience as they did, they decided to start an event dedicated to empowering others to share theirs. They called it F-Up Nights. <laughs> Actually, the name they use is three letters longer and significantly more profane. But we'll use the term they now use for the gathering in Muslim countries. Fun Nights. <laughs> so every fun night, a handful of business people share their failures for up to seven minutes, each using ten images. They even up, open up the floor to questions and answers. By sharing failures in a supportive atmosphere, the event aims to take the sting, shame, and guilt out of failure. Fun nights are now held in 80 countries and 252 cities. Not yet in Hickory, so somebody needs to start that up. <laughs> if fun nights are not your thing, you can go to Sweden and visit the recently opened Museum of Failure. <laughs> there you can enjoy learning about failed products like Harley-Davidson perfume <laughs> and big pens made just for her. <laughs> you can't pick up a biography of a famous writer without seeing how they wrestled with the beast of failure and being that they're now a famous writer, how they won. Stephen King champions persistence through rejection. He says, but by the time I was 14, the nail in my wall would no longer support the weight of rejection slips upon it. I replaced the nail with a spike and went on writing. <laughs> Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling frequently tells the story of how when she wrote the first Harry Potter book, she had suffered a bitter divorce, was on welfare, had no money in the bank, and her manuscript was rejected a dozen times. Speaking at Harvard's graduation, Rowling said, You might never fail on the scale that I did, but it is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. <laughs> now, these failures involve people trying to create something, to build something, to achieve something, to stretch themselves to their limits. So many failures in our day-to-day -day lives are far less noble and definitely not fun. There are the little garden variety failures that populate our given days and deplete our energy. Failure to plan well, failure to communicate effectively or think before acting or speaking, 
failing to let the lay service leader do the chalice lighting. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Failure to be kind or mindful. Failure to actually do what we said we would do. Failure to speak up or be fully honest. Then there are the more consequential failures. We see our children not functioning well and wonder if and how we have failed as parents. We get fired. We try to take better care of our health and really mean to, and then we don't. The marriage we committed to in front of our friends and family falls apart. My family and I had Christmas lunch with a woman last year who was released from prison after four years. She'd gotten a job at Burger King and was earning legal money for the first time in a decade. She was so excited that she could chew gum and take baths again. Her 12-year-old daughter was thrilled to have her mom home after an extended absence. She moved away from Charlotte and we lost touch. Then I saw her at the Mecklenburg County Jail last week, locked up for a probation violation. She'll likely go away for another few years. That now 13-year-old child is without her mom again this Christmas. Our failures can leave scars. Author Heidi Preeb says, We won't always get a glorious comeback from our mistakes, and so we shouldn't. Some failures are about genuine change, intensive self-reflection, and coming to the deep understanding that you just can't go on living the way you have been. We have a choice when we fail. To get stuck in self-flagellation, wallowing and pitying ourselves. We can find ample evidence for our brokenness and ineptitude. There's even, I think, a comfort in this place of inaction, because if you label yourself a failure, you don't have to do the hard work of trying again, or trying at all. If you listen to Buddhist nun Pima Chodron, Learning to fail is an essential life task. Not one of us in this culture of win, win, win. Not one of us that a lot of us are taught. Chodron tells the story of going to her teacher, Chongpa Rinpoche, when she was having a horrible time in her life. And she was going through a big failure. Rinpoche said, well, it's a lot like walking into the ocean. And a big wave comes and knocks you over. And you find yourself lying on the bottom with sand in your nose and sand in your mouth. And you're lying there and you have a choice. You can either lie there or you can stand up and start keeping walking out to sea. Because lying there is an option akin to dying. Chodron says you get up. But then you look up and another wave comes and it knocks you down and bam, there you are again. (coughs) So once again, you're at the bottom of the ocean and you have to decide to get up and move forward. She continues, as as the waves keep coming, you keep cultivating your courage and your bravery and hopefully your sense of humor to relate to the situation of the waves and you keep getting up and you keep going forward. Trumpa Rinpoche told her, after a while, it will begin to seem to you that the waves are getting smaller and smaller, and they won't knock you over anymore. 
Pima Trojan notes that it's, it isn't the waves, they don't stop coming. It's that because you train in holding the rawness and vulnerability in your heart. The waves just appear to be getting smaller and smaller, and they don't knock you down anymore. Any significant failure, if we will heed its call, no doubt has a message for us. It's tossing cold water on the ego's face, squeezing our gut, tightening our chest, and asking us, demanding us, to make some kind of shift. If we're brave enough to pay attention to failure, to really feel the difficult feelings that accompany it, perhaps we can integrate its helpful message into our lives. Maybe failure is telling us to work harder or to stop working so much. Maybe it's telling us to take something more seriously or ourselves less seriously. Maybe it's urging us to get help. Maybe it's telling us to go in a different direction. Maybe your failure is telling you you can't do it all and you need to commit to less and set healthy boundaries. Maybe it's reckoning, inviting you to reckon with the difficult reality that your abilities have changed. Maybe it's telling you it's time to act or it's time to stay still. Maybe if you reflect deeply enough, you'll recognize that you need to stop blaming yourself completely for your failures, that there were other factors and people at play. Or maybe you need to stop blaming others so much for your failures and finally take responsibility for your part. Whatever the message, failure stops us in our tracks, asks us to take stock. What do we want our lives to be about? Where are our actions not in sync with our deeply held values? In the midst of writing this piece on Tuesday night, I got a call from a number I didn't recognize. This is Anne McCormick. This is Anne McCormick, Margaret McCormick's daughter. I wanted to let you know that my mom passed away this week. She would want you to know. More than anyone else, Margaret McCormick made me a minister. She was my intern committee chair. She poured and poured love and affirmation into me. She even helped me pick out my wedding dress. When I moved to North Carolina, Margaret tried to stay in touch, writing actual handwritten letters, like who does that anymore? Letters that I didn't return most of the time. I failed to keep in touch, even when her beloved husband died several years ago. In doing so, I failed to be a comfort to my friend. I failed in that I didn't make the effort to be in relationship with one of the most loving people I've ever met on the planet. I let other things be more important than this cherished friendship. Getting this news was a big wave. I don't want this failure to be in vain, though. I want to weave it into my life going forward as a reminder of what I hold most dear, 
and who I want most to be. We don't have confessional booths here at the UU Church. And setting one up here is, if you're wondering, not one of the changes I would welcome. (laughs) But I think we're missing something when we don't acknowledge our failings to ourselves, to each other, and especially here in our own spiritual community, which should be the safest place we have. Maybe that's what the fun night folks have stumbled upon and why 12-step groups continue to flourish. That's something in us longs to, needs to, acknowledge our failings to other human beings. In a moment, we'll speak together the words, we forgive ourselves and each other, and we begin again in love. May we take those words to heart and find, even within our most painful failures, renewed resolve, and renewed life. May it be so.